Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. You're listening to the Engaging Missions Radio Show, Episode 25 with Chris Morgan. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. If you care about missions, this is the place for you. Whether you're actively involved in ministry and missions, are considering missions, or serve God in the marketplace with a heart for God's kingdom, you're in the right place. Join us each week for inspiration, encouragement, resources, and so much more as we delight in the things that God is doing all around the world. All right, it's time to get going, and I'm really happy to have Chris Morgan on the line with me today. Chris was involved with children and young adults at our church until God called him to South Africa about three years ago. He left the U.S. to live to work with Scripture Union in Peter Maritzburg, South Africa. Now, if you've been a longtime listener, you may recognize Peter Maritzburg as the place where our former guest, Garland Sam, was involved with Scripture Union. During his time in Africa, Chris was involved with Garland, and he was actually the person who connected me to Garland. After about two years in South Africa, Chris returned to the U.S with his new wife, and they've been living here now for about a year. Okay, Chris, now I've given just a little introduction. Why don't you take a minute and tell us about yourself and your ministry? We'd like to get to know you personally. First off, I guess I'm really glad to be here. I'm pretty excited that you called me and that I'm going to get to to help out with this. Uh, I think it's a great thing that Engaging Missions is doing, and I love the ministry that you guys are doing. Um, So for me personally... um, when I was in South Africa, I mostly worked with school-age kids in, um, in elementary and in high school. We did a lot of work in schools teaching uh, what's called life skills, which is similar to like a, I guess it'd be like a good citizenship course where we teach about, um, we teach about uh, morality and we teach about values and um, things like peer pressure. Uh, we do a little bit of sex education and that kind of thing. Uh, but it's all done from a Christian perspective. And at the end, we uh, we have the opportunity to insert some scripture and some uh, Christ-based learning there. Uh, what's really great is in South Africa, we have to ask the class, uh, the students, for permission to to do the scripture. But culturally in South Africa, when someone up front asks your permission, you say yes. So we always like, oh, is it okay if we read from the Bible? And there's no way that they are culturally going to say no. So we always have the opportunity to share the gospel, which is fantastic. Uh, We were also doing um, essentially a vacation Bible school, uh, or we did several of them a year. And then we also had camps that we were involved with, as well as Bible quizzes. Uh, So that was really the, the types of ministry that I was involved with while I was there. Okay. And you've told us a little bit about the ministry. Can you tell us about yourself, your life a little bit? Okay. Um, okay. So it was about 
this time of the year in in 2010 and i had just gotten what i thought was my dream job and i was all happy and i was super excited because i'm like oh finally a job that i can turn into a career and then god's like you're going to south africa and it kind of blindsided me because i was i was really excited i was like oh god you just provided this career position for me and then he completely changes my direction um but it didn't really blindside me uh from uh, from a lifetime perspective um because i had been in in south africa in 2004 as a tourist and then i went back as an intern in 2008 and lived there for two and a half months and so i had already had south africa in my life um as a partially as a missionary but also just as you know enjoying the culture and the people and the, the geography uh, so when God called me, I wasn't all that surprised. Um, for me as a person, I'm generally an introvert. I, I prefer to be alone, but I, I love doing ministry with children. I, um, I will dress up as a pink Buffalo if it's going to help, um, if it's going to help children and help them learn about Jesus and help them grow as people. Uh, I, I will do just about anything for kids. So in front of the children, I'm like the wild and crazy one, but I'm also, uh, I also love teaching them. So well, that's, yeah. that's great, Chris. You just shared something that I'd never considered and that's you as a pink elephant. Well, you know, it was a Buffalo actually. Oh, I'm sorry. I pink I buffalo, know, yeah. Did I say elephant? I no, I think you probably did say Buffalo. Now that we know <laughs> you a little bit, can you share with us a scripture or a motivational quote that's really been meaningful to you and then share with us how that scripture or that quote has really shaped your behavior? Sure. Um, so my, probably my, my favorite, uh, short passage of scripture is in Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses. And um, so the NIV translation says it like this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So in, in my life, so Hebrews 12 comes right after Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the faith chapter, where it goes through and lists like the heroes of our faith, right? So it talks about yeah. Abraham and Noah and Samson and you know, all the different people who were like, wow, such a man of God, such a man of faith. And I, I made a study of it, and I went through, and I, was, I looked at the lives of every one of these people, and it seemed like um, every single person that had more than a few sentences about them in the Bible had some major failure in their life where they, they acted completely faithless and tried to take things into their own hands, and yet God listed them in the faith chapter, in the list of the heroes that we look up to. And so then the author of Hebrews comes and says, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, referring to essentially this list of people who were screw-ups, but God used them as heroes. And so he says, throw off everything that's holding you back. Don't look at anything that's around you. Don't look at your past. Don't even look at your present. Look at Jesus, because he is the shining example of what you can be and what you should be. 
and everything that we desire as Christians is in him. So he, uh, going into like the next couple of sentences, uh, or the, the final sentence, I guess, it says, look at him, uh, Jesus, who endured opposition, opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Um, before I left for South Africa, I got a tattoo, and the tattoo is actually of my church uh, logo and also the word perseverance in Hebrew. And for me, the, the perseverance part of it comes straight out of this, uh, this passage, because no matter what Jesus was looking at, he endured the cross, you know, the stress of which was, made him sweat blood in Gethsemane. Yet he endured it because he knew what was on the other side, and he knew he was saving all of mankind. So when I look at Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, I know that whatever I'm you know, faced with today or whatever challenges I'm faced with as a missionary, I can persevere because Jesus did it, and he's the example that I look to. Wow, that's excellent, Chris. Now that we know you a little bit, we're going to go ahead and start taking a look at your a challenge in your life. We know that not everybody's life is always easy and happy. You know, we can have this sense that for some people, you know, we get this kind of, kind of this Facebook effect where we see everybody's lives and it seems like everything's amazing, but it's not all unicorns and rainbows. So as we get started, yeah. we'd like to hear about a time in your journey when you encountered maybe a significant challenge or some kind of failure, maybe a time when your back was against a wall or when you were facing a, a big challenge. Take us to that moment and paint a picture for us of what God's done in your life. Sure. So probably the best example of this uh, from my, my time as a missionary was when I had a kidney stone. So I'm in South Africa, and uh, one, one day I go to bed, and uh, around 9 o'clock I start feeling like some pain in my right side. And I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable. And it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse until probably by midnight or so, I'm literally laying in bed screaming in pain. But in South Africa, all the walls are cinder block. So no one could hear me screaming and I could hardly walk. So complete agony. Finally, I, I get dressed and I go, um, I go to Garland's bedroom and I bang on his window, which probably terrified him thinking I was going to rob him or something, middle of the night. And they take me to the hospital and, you know, I, and, and so they fix me up. And then for the next maybe two months, I was going through the, the process of figuring out that it was a kidney stone and I wasn't going to die and then passing the stone. So aside from the physical agony of having a kidney stone, there were financial situations because I had no insurance, and there, so everything was paid in cash. And as you're probably aware, missionaries are not uh, – well, we don't have very well-padded bank accounts. <laughs> so, so I look at all, all these bills, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, my budget is set to handle – you know, general cost of living and a little like virtually no savings because I always get flat tires or whatever I get that whatever extra was there is spent. So I'm praying about it. Oh my God, I've got, um, I think it was about $2,500 worth of medical bills that are going to be coming due very soon. And so God challenged me. He says, track what the costs are. Um, so I'm like, okay, you know, 
just because you told me to. So I start like get the spreadsheet and I'm tracking, you know, all the money that's going out. And some people had started giving me extra money just because they knew the situation that I was in. And so at the end of the, um, at the end of the situation and I pass the stone and all the bills are paid for and everything, I, fi- I go back and review the numbers and check the final totals and every single cent of the <laughs> expenses of the kidney stone were paid for and I had made $1 in profit after all of that. <laughs> um, so when, when my back was up against the wall and I said, God, there's no way that I can pay for this stuff because my balance is just not going to handle it. I mean, from, from one of my wife's friends handing me um, about $10 worth of stuff, I recorded that all the way to picking up $2 worth of, of medication at the, at the pharmacy. Every single cent balanced out perfectly that God provided. Wow. That's, that's probably the most, um, you know, mathematical uh, (laughs) moment when God really showed up for me. Yeah, that's great. You know, that brings out one of the things that I think we forget about. And that's, you know, it seems like a lot of times we all want to have those God stories, but we don't necessarily want to go through this stuff where God has that opportunity to really come through for us. Now, we're going to go ahead and move to the other end of the spectrum. Just like we all have challenges, there are also those moments when God really reveals something to us. Those I call them moments of revelation. Can you share with us a time mm-hmm. in your journey when this happened? Take us back to that moment and then share with us what you did to take what God showed you and put it into action. Sure. So I got to South Africa in January 2011. And uh, I, I was trying to get my feet wet, and I'm getting into what Scripture Union does, and I'm learning about what, what all, how all we operate. And so when I was, it was uh, the very end of June or the beginning of July, we were running a vacation Bible school at uh, the Salvation Army Children's Home, uh, which was a bunch of orphans. So many of them had AIDS, but we weren't allowed to know which ones, so we had to act like they all had AIDS as far as being careful about blood and all that. So we're all we're, we're doing the holiday club there, and we break up into groups, and we're at this big soccer field, and we've got three or four groups scattered around the field, and I'm coordinating everything, so I'm, I send out the groups to the, the corners of the field to, to do like a small group teaching time. And as I'm walking around and I, I'm thinking about it, I had this realization that I th- it's easy for me to think of myself as the big guy, the coordinator, the you know the one who's got it all under control. And then I look out and realize the people who are leading these small groups are each and every one is better qualified to teach this than I am. Because as an American, when I go to teach about, um, say, the Good Samaritan, right? You know, any, any, I guess any analogy that I pull out of my experience is an American experience. And so if I'm trying to teach a South African, I need to teach out of a South African experience. And I don't have a South African experience because I'm American. Right. I was raised in America. So when I came to the realization that every one of the South African volunteers working technically under me 
was better than me just because they were born in South Africa. It changed my entire perspective from, from a perspective of the volunteers are here to help me be more effective up front into I am here to help the volunteers be more effective you know, uh, in their groups. And so it completely changed my perspective and my drive and, and the way that I ran the holiday clubs and everything. That's a, that's a great insight, Chris. Now, we're going to go ahead and move to the present day. We know that you're back here in the States, but we want to hear a little bit about what's going on in your life and maybe something that's really exciting you as a ministry opportunity right now. Yeah. Um, so, so right now, uh, I'm, not in, I'm not in a full-time ministry position, and I'm not seeking a full-time ministry position. I'm you know, in the typical workforce. So for the first time, I'm in this big corporation and I've, you know, working with all these different teams and everything. And so for the first time, really, in my in my life, I'm in this situation that I always heard people talk about and even that I had talked about as a missionary. Like, oh, you're part of the workforce and your work is your mission field. And so for the first time, I'm experiencing that my work is my mission field. And so what what is exciting for me right now is uh, that I'm I'm working on developing the relationships um, in my team and in my workplace that uh, that will allow that to become a fruitful mission field for me. That's great, and you know, being in the workforce that also gives you a a, a really good perspective because you've both been a full time ministry for uh, missionary for a couple of years, and now you're back in the workforce now. It's, it's important because uh, most of our audience is made up of people who are in the U.S. or somewhere in North America who are operating in the workforce. They care about missions, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily feel called to full-time missions. So what would you say to someone who does feel called into the marketplace, but they're starting to wonder if what they're doing in the business really matters for the kingdom? So I'll, I'll try to use an analogy, and I'm also slightly being sarcastic with this, but not, not a hundred percent. Right. So for all parts of the body of Christ, we can think of like, maybe the missionaries are, are the feet and they're like going across to the nations and maybe the, the pastors are the hands. Cause I don't know what, whatever hands do. So if we're going to think about it in terms of that, the people in the workforce could easily, uh, analogize themselves as the wallet of Christ. So, I mean, the, the, the kingdom is going to move forward one way or another. And God has made us all stewards of different things. And as, as a missionary, I learned that I was a steward of time and I was a steward of the people that were put under me that I could train and teach and the kids that were, that were put in my care. And now in the workforce, I'm seeing that I am a steward of the money that can push the missionaries forward and that can, that can be the money that gets them over the kidney stone hurdle, you know? Um, <laughs> so simply as a, as a, what is, what is the relationship of me as a person in the workplace to a missionary that's out in the field? It is, it, you know, it, if it's a question of is what am I doing at work really important for the kingdom, then, uh, Absolutely, it's important because someone has to be able to finance the the things that are going uh, that are going on on the field. I guess if if you want to put it, 
in those terms. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great lead into our next question, because I'm sure that there are people who are listening who are already supporting missionaries and financially and in prayer, but they want to do more. So they already get that part about, Hey, you know, there's, there's a wallet needed. God has people to be stewards of money and we're here to support in prayer. But let's say that they also wanted to level up their game as a person who's been on the mission field, knowing that people are already supporting you financially and in prayer. What's one thing they could do to further encourage or support a missionary? I'd say a huge, huge thing to me when I was in the field um, was was personal contact, and it was uh, technology is wonderful, and I was able to, to email and text message and instant message and you know stay in contact with lots of people while I was over there. But the number one thing that was that just like made my heart leap and it completely made my week perfect was when I got something in the mail. Um, because so emails are great, but they can be done while you're sitting at a red light right? and you, you know, spend a few seconds and not a whole lot of effort to send that to a missionary. And that's wonderful because that's, that's great to stay in contact with them. But when a missionary knows that you spent the time and the effort to go to the post office or to UPS and put a package in the mail for them, even if it's, you know, a Hershey bar or, a birthday card or, you know, any, any little thing that comes in the mail was huge for me. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, also on that same line to, to mail a letter to, to New Zealand is like less than a dollar. So packages can, can get pretty expensive, but it's really not expensive to send a card. I mean, it's, it's cheaper than the card itself. Uh, that's great. So there you have it. Send a card. Now, Chris, there you go. it's time for us to go ahead and transition to the speed round. This is the fun part where I get to ask you a series of questions, and then you come back at us with your amazing answers. Does that sound like a plan? I'm ready to be amazing. What's one thing you wish you would have known before you started out? I wish I would have known about how important tone is when communicating. Because as an American, when when I'm in an authority position and I'm like, I'm giving instructions, that same tone that would never offend an American is extremely offensive to a South African. And it came across as if I were yelling at them. And so when I'm like, okay, I need you guys to clean the, the room, it, they felt like I was yelling at them. And if I had known that right off the bat or before I started, that would have made my life so much easier. That's a good one. I'd never heard that before. What's the best advice you've ever received? Never put off tomorrow uh, and never put off until tomorrow what can be done today. Okay. And kind of building on that then, can you share one of your personal habits that you strongly believe contributes to your success? I have the habit of deliberately building strong relationships with people. Uh, anything that happens in in life, in ministry, in missions happens because of a relationship. No one is going to have a strong, well, there, there we go. The phrase that I was about to use is relationship with God. No one's going to have that relationship with God unless someone had a relationship with them to bring them into that relationship with God. Do you have an internet resource that you use and could share with our listeners? Actually, my, uh, my missionary friend, Seth Brooks, uh, got me on this, uh, new phone app called Glide. And it's, um, it's like an instant messenger that uses your uh, your video camera on your phone to send like um, iPhones have FaceTime. It's essentially the same thing. 
except it doesn't have to be live. So whenever you send a message, you do it over the camera so they see your face. And uh-huh. it's actually a lot more personal, and I, I love it. Like, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Okay, and is that available at someplace like Glide.com? Uh, I know it's available in the Android App Store, just under Glide, and I I assume there's an iPhone app for it, or maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know about iPhone, but okay. there is for Android. Okay, well, for our Android users and possibly for our iPhone users, we'll make sure to have that linked up for you in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Chris Morgan. Now, we've got one more question in the speed round, Chris. What's one book that you would recommend for our listeners? A book that I started reading recently, and I'm absolutely loving it, is written by Dale Carnegie, and it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. I absolutely love it. It's revolutionizing the way that I'm having relationships with people at work and even uh, even my home life with my wife and my friends. like It's completely shifting the way I look at the world. That's an excellent book. I, I'm still trying to apply that in my life as well. Now, we're going to go a little bit deeper, Chris. We've got just a few questions left, but now we want to start focusing more on your perspective and some ministry advice for the rest of us. This is our chance to learn from your experiences. What would you tell mm-hmm. someone in the U.S. who looks up and realizes that their neighbors or their coworkers are from a country that used to be what we would consider missionary territory? The term missionary territory is kind of uh, an interesting one for me because missionary territory is wherever a Christian is standing. So, um, so that, that that was free. That wasn't an answer to your question. Uh, so, I guess the the answer for that would be. If someone, if my neighbor is from, you know, quote unquote, missionary territory, people are people. Wherever they're from, they're just people. They're going to care about, they're going to have things that they care about, and they're going to want to talk to you if you ask them about the things that they care about. Uh, So I, I guess just go talk to them. Okay. And I'm glad that you keyed in on on that. There's actually a, a reason that I worded that question specifically that way, and it was partly to open the door for that conversation about what missionary territory is. So I appreciate you catching that. What's one thing that you that someone could do if they wanted to start discipling and ministering the love of Christ to a neighbor or a coworker whose heritage is from another culture? So in, in my experience, everyone loves talking about their own culture and their family's culture. And, and so... If you show that if you show them that you care about uh, like where they come from and what what it's like over there and get them to to describe things to you and ask them what they miss from home and you know if they wish they could get anything from there if they you know if there are any places around here that get that kind of you know th- those products that they're interested in uh, get them to talk about themselves and you build that relationship. And then it's pretty easy to turn a conversation about um, yeah, about anything really towards Christ, as long as you've you know you have an understanding of something that's in the Bible and you can pull an analogy. So if you want to, if you're just showing the love of Christ, just having that relationship with them is showing the love of Christ. And if you want to start discipling, then it's easy to turn a conversation from oh I really miss you know, family to, Hey, my church is just like a big family. Maybe you should come, you know, swing by and meet some people. You're, you're very sneaky. I appreciate that. 
Now, imagine that you woke up tomorrow morning, you're in a new country and it's your first day of ministry, but you don't necessarily know anybody just yet. You still have your experience and your knowledge and your wife is there with you. You don't have to worry about your food and shelter, but all you have as what we would consider resources are a laptop and $500 US. What do you do in the first seven days? I would probably take my laptop and post on Facebook, hey guys, I'm still alive. Don't worry, I'm, I'm not dead. Um, and then I would probably not even pay attention to the laptop for a while. Uh, I'm so focused on building relationships with people that I would want to start walking around, find churches, find uh, find people who are already in ministry. And if I've got and if I've got seven days, I'll I'll find someone who's doing something good, and I'll start tagging along with them. And because I, I will never walk into a, a new situation and assume that I know what the best approach is. People who are already there, who are local, who are doing ministry, have probably been doing it longer than me, uh, especially if I woke up in a foreign country tomorrow. So I would, I would find someone to, to tag along with and learn from them. And then once I got to the point where I felt like I was going to be able to, to stand on my own two feet, I would do that and move forward. That's really good, Chris. Thanks for sharing that with us. We're almost done. There's really just one more question for us. Would you share with us one last piece of advice and then the best way for people to connect with you? And then we're going to say goodbye. Focus on people. Um, people are, they'll, they'll see when you're genuinely interested in them. And if they're going to, if, if, if you are interested in them, then they're going to be interested in you, especially, um, in this day and age, it's it's less common to be in, genuinely interested in people. So if you show up and you're the person who actually cares to talk to them, then they're gonna they're gonna respond to that and that's gonna resonate with them, and they'll be like, oh well, why does this guy care about me so much? Maybe I should get to know him some. Uh, so I guess in in anything you do, missions or family or church or work is focus on people and care about them because that's the that's the best way to open up doors. And then, so I guess the best way to connect with me is uh, either through email. Um, my email address is chris at chrisam.biz. And, uh, or you can just catch me on Facebook. Uh, my username is the Chris Morgan. So it's, I think it's just facebook.com slash the Chris Morgan. And you can find me there. Okay. And again, all of this will be linked up in the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Chris Morgan. Chris, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate your time and your generosity. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I really enjoyed it. That's the end of our time with Chris Morgan. I'm really thankful that he was able to be here with us today. I had a great time talking to him. It was nice to catch up as a friend, but also it was really good to hear from him and learn a little bit more about the ministry that he had going on in South Africa. As I mentioned before, all of the resources and all of the show notes and everything are available at engagingmissions.com slash chrismorgan or slash 25. That's the number 25 as in episode 25. If you'd like to leave any feedback for the show, if you have any comments or suggestions or questions, you can either do that by leaving a comment at the show notes, or you can shoot me an email. You can send that to feedback at engagingmissions.com. Whether you're wanting to leave a question or leave a comment, or if you just want to say, hey, I listened to the show, it's great to hear from you. It really is nice to hear from you. 
If this is your first time checking out the show, I'm really glad that you joined us. It's great to have you here. And if you've been a subscriber ever since the beginning, I'm glad that you're back. It's really good to have all of you with me. If you haven't before, consider subscribing to the show. You can do that by visiting engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. It's really not that hard, and it helps you make sure that you don't miss anything. And it also helps raise our ratings in iTunes so that more people will find us. And if you want to make sure that more people find us, you can also... In addition to subscribing, leave us a rating and review. That'd be a star rating and then a written review. Uh, and you can also find instructions for how to do that at engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. Now, before I let you go, I just want to say one more time, I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm glad that you stopped by and checked this out. If you have any comments or questions or anything like that, whether you leave it as a comment in the show notes or you shoot me an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com, I just really do want to hear from you. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. This has been the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Thanks so much for listening. May God richly bless you. We'll see you next week.